All right, welcome everybody. So good to have you here with us today. I wanna say a big shout out not only to our Henderson location, but to Summerlin and Southern Highlands, Sunrise Mountain, our Central Kingman family, those who are joining us uh, online, and as always, those who are joining us in our partnership with God Behind Bars. Thank you guys for being with us today. Hey, we're talking about all the feels, how to deal with the feels so the feels don't deal with you. And uh, we've been really looking at how we can lead ourselves from the inside out. We talked about anger, we talked about worry. Um, so next weekend, we're gonna talk about fear. Uh, we talked about sadness last weekend, but this weekend I wanna talk to you about the emotion or the feeling of hurt and how we carry that in our lives and how we can allow God to bring healing into our lives. Um, we've said over the last few weeks, if you don't learn to lead yourself well, then you forfeit the right to lead others. And so if you really wanna be the person God's created you to be, you gotta grow in your ability, I've gotta grow in my ability to handle our emotional stuff in our life so that we can be available really for what God wants to do through us in the most impactful way. And when it comes to hurt, um, I remember the very first bone I ever broke in my body. How many of you remember the first bone you ever broke? Some of you, it was like your arm, your leg. It was significant, right? For me, the first bone I ever broke was my pinky toe. <laughs> that little old pinky toe. And it was because I went to a gathering at a friend's house and there were a bunch of guys there. We were all teenagers, so there was too much testosterone flying around in one room. And somebody got the idea, hey, let's hold this sheet up and let's run at it and try to jump over it. And then like, we'll see who can jump the highest. We'll keep moving it higher and higher and higher. Dumb idea. Somewhere along the way, I ran at it full speed, and I jumped like a gazelle, you know, I was flying, I was Superman, and my little left toe got caught in that sheet, and I went face down on the ground, and I knew immediately, this is bad, oh, it hurt, it hurt so bad, but you know, I kept it together, I'm cool, everything's good, I'm fine, I'm fine, you know. I kind of went over and sat down and collected myself, and about two days later, it wasn't getting any better, so we finally went to the doctor, we get to the doctor, the doctor says, yep, you, you broke your little toe. I'm like, oh man, you know, I'm thinking cast, surgery, <laughs> right, crutches, this is bad. He looks at me, he says, I'm gonna have to reset your toe. I'm like, oh, okay, so he says, I'm gonna count to three. Um, and I, I said, all right, so I kind of brace myself. I'm like, oh, it's on, you know? And he goes, one, and then he yanks my toe. <laughs> I see stars, I remember I had tears coming down my face. I said, I thought you, were, thought you said you were gonna do it on three. He said, I didn't say I was gonna do it on three. I said, I'm gonna count to three. Well played, Doc, right? So he reset it, he just pulled it really hard, reset it, and then he just got some like athletic tape and taped it to my next toe right beside it. And he goes, okay, there you go. I'm like, no boot? Nope, no boot. No, no cast, nothing? He's like, nope, that's it. I actually broke that toe again years later as an adult, and as bad as it hurt, I knew exactly what to do, and I did it. I went in my room, yanked that thing, set it, taped it off to the toe next to it, because that's all you get when you break your little toe. But here's what I remember about that. I became a master at hiding the fact for weeks and really months the limp that I had. I mean, if I was alone in the house, I was limping around everywhere I went. Every step I took, I felt that little toe. It was killing me. But I'd get to school, and I'd be like, I figured out, I figured out how to wear the right boots and how to kind of walk, you know, like, like a little swagger. You know, that's not a limp. That's, that's called swag right there, people. And I kind of worked it out where I faked it pretty well. You'd never know I was hurt. 
till I got alone. And I think that's how hurt often works in our lives, isn't it? We get hurt spiritually, emotionally, physically, and we hide it. We do pretty good at playing hurt. We, 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 we can kind of fake it uh, in our lives. We can, you can walk past people and never know what's really going on behind the scenes, right? We carry all kinds of hurt. We carry hurt from things people have said to us. We carry hurt from the school playground. We carry hurt from being bullied. We carry hurt from growing up and having significant failures in our lives or business opportunities that don't work out, relationships that don't work out, uh, dreams that we had that that, that never really came to fruition, we carry those wounds and those hurts. And sometimes if we don't allow God to heal those hurts, what happens is we can fake it pretty well on the outside, but the reality is those that are closest to us start to pay the price because we haven't been healed of those hurts and therefore we start to hurt those around us. We start to act out of that pain rather than letting God really change and transform that pain. So I wanna talk today about how we can allow God to do a healing work in our life. And the great news today is he wants to do that. I mean, Jesus introduced his mission, Luke chapter four, verse 18. We're gonna bring this scripture up on the screen. I'm gonna read it, and when we get to the the red word, read it out loud here with me. But uh, check out how Jesus sort of introduced his mission. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to what? Heal. Why did Jesus come? in part to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. So if you're brokenhearted today, if you're disappointed, if you think about your childhood or your background or your family or your life situation right now or your kids or your grandkids, whatever it might be, and you feel that pain and you feel that hurt, I believe with all my heart Jesus wants to bring healing into your life and mine today, that he came to heal the brokenhearted. In fact, the Bible says in the Old Testament that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He draws near to the brokenhearted and he can bring healing to the brokenhearted. So to do that, I wanna look at a famous story in the Bible, one of my favorites. It's the story of God's recommissioning of Peter after he denies Jesus. Many of you will be familiar with this story, but let me just set it up. Peter was one of Jesus' disciples. He was kind of uh, in the inner circle, the inner three of Jesus' disciples. He followed Jesus around for three years. He, he went where he went. He, he saw him interact with others. I mean, he was passionate. And Peter was even given a nickname by Jesus. He was called The Rock. I mean, you thought Dwayne Johnson was The Rock. Peter was the first rock. He was The Rock. And he was bold and he was brave. Sometimes he put his foot in his mouth, but you know, he also often said things that everybody else was thinking and nobody had the guts to say. That was Peter. The night before Jesus was betrayed and crucified, Jesus is sitting there with his disciples and he looks around at them and he says, one of you will betray me. And he says, the others will disown me. And Peter, Peter's like, never. In fact, he, he says, I'll die first. And he looks around at all of his friends and he says, even if they all disown you, I never will. Always the first to go, right? Always the first to to say what was on his heart and on his mind. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, before the rooster crows in the morning, you will disown me three times. And sure enough, Jesus is then arrested. He's that night finds himself in a house going through uh, really a, a trial that was a travesty of justice. 
and Peter slips into the courtyard. He's warming his hands by um, a coal fire, which is a significant detail that John brings out. Uh, it's a specific Greek word, only found a few times in the whole Bible, but it's a coal fire he's warming his hands by, and three different times people come up to him in the courtyard and say, hey, aren't you one of Jesus' followers? <laughs> he's like, oh no, man, I don't, I don't know the guy. And somebody else comes, hey, aren't you one of Jesus' guys? You know, don't you? No, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't know him. Somebody else, aren't you a follower? Didn't I see you? No, no, that wasn't me. I, I, don't, I, I don't know him at all. And then Jesus walks out and looks over at him and makes eye contact. And what, what happens? The rooster crows. And the Bible says that Peter ran away and wept bitterly. All of a sudden, the hurt and the disappointment of not being who he thought he was was right there in front of him. His failure, his own denial of Jesus, his own compromising of all of his own principles, all of that sort of self-righteousness and pride and all of that crashing down and he weeps bitterly and a hurt has opened up. And then as you read through the Gospels, Jesus rises from the dead three days later, the greatest miracle uh, people of faith believe in all of human history. And then um, after that, there's some appearances Jesus makes before he ascends into heaven. And one of those is he basically makes breakfast for his disciples on the beach, okay? An interesting little footnote, John says that as he's making this breakfast, he uses a charcoal fire, it's just like the fire Peter warmed his hands with when he denied him. And so they come in from the water and there's Jesus and he's cooked them breakfast and they're sitting around by this charcoal fire and Jesus begins to ask these words. John chapter 21, beginning in verse 15. It says, when they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me what? More, you see that? Do you truly love me more than these? This is a little bit of a dig. This is a throwback to Peter's big, brave comment that he made right before Jesus got arrested and crucified where he said, even if everybody else denies you, I never will. Do you really love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. So Peter, who I think is hurt and wounded, he just responds with yes. Feels to me like there's a lot more that could have been said. And I think when you look at it, there's a lot more Jesus could have asked. Isn't it interesting that Jesus' first question to the person that failed him and disappointed him isn't, do you feel really bad about what you've done? Right? His first question isn't like, do you recognize what you've done, first of all, and do you understand the consequences for what you've done? Do you feel terrible about what you've done? He just moves past all of that and gets to really the heart of it. What I would suggest today is the most important question any of us can wrestle with in our lives. Jesus says, do you love me? Do you love me? Not, not are you perfect? Not do you have it all figured out? You know, not, not have you never made mistakes, not have you never failed, not do you ever have horrible thoughts. No, the only question that really matters is this. Do you love me? Do you love me in whatever imperfect, broken, half-hearted way do you love me? Peter says, yes, you know that I do. That's the question I'd ask you today. I think it's the question God asks of us today not are we perfect, not do we feel bad, not do we, ultimately, what it all comes down to in all of our brokenness and all of our sin and all of our mistakes, mine included, is simply this.
do you love me? Do you love me? When you affirm your love, Peter's gonna be given a chance again and again to affirm his love. I think when it comes to hurt in our lives, it's important to remember that where you feel weakest is often where God can show up the strongest. Where you feel weakest is often where God can show up the strongest. So one of the things that happens when we're hurt and when we failed is we feel like we're disqualified. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people who are part of the central family over the years who just feel like God can't really use them. God can't really work through them. They've made too many mistakes. They've done too many things. And Peter's story is gonna be a great reminder to us to allow God to bring healing to our hearts so that he can use us to impact the world. First principle is simply this, admit when you're playing hurt. Admit when you're playing hurt. I mean, all of us, um, have you ever done something in your life that you thought was a good idea in the moment and then later you realized it was a really bad idea? You know what I'm talking about? I saw a few of these online. I thought they were pretty funny. Check this out. One guy says, in 1998, I begged my mom to get a pair of JNCO jeans. She agreed, but only on the condition we do a photo shoot to prove to my future self how stupid I looked. Look who's laughing now, mom. And here are the glorious photos of this guy in his jeans. (laughs) Classic. I could probably say parachute pants and spandex would also apply in there. All right, let's go to the next one. Uh, This person says, meant to to say, hold on for a second uh, and give me a minute to a customer. And it came out as, hold me for a second. (laughs) What a Monday. (laughs) Uh, We all make mistakes. We all do things. What do we do with our mistakes, with our failures, with our sin, with our brokenness? What do we do with all that stuff? What do we do with those years of addiction? What do we do with the things we've said to a spouse that we wish we could get back? What do we do with the things we've said to our kids or, or family members in the heat of the moment? You know, what do we do with all that drama and all that stuff? A lot of times we just kind of bury it and we act like we're not hurt and we act like everything's fine, but we're way better off when we will just admit and bring it to God and confess it and lay it before him. And the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. God loves to forgive. He loves to work in our hearts and in our lives, but we gotta be willing to bring that hurt, bring that junk, bring that stuff to God so that he can do it. You know, one of the ways you know something in your life might be kind of a a, a hurt that hasn't been dealt with is when you begin to overreact over something. I'm gonna just think about your life, think about my life. Things that cause me to overreact are often things that are kind of anchored into hurts which have never really been healed, okay? Uh, Here's, I read about this pediatrician um, working with kids, he called it chandeliering. He said when he was trying to figure out like where a kid's wounds were, he could press around the wound and as he got closer and closer, eventually when he got uh, close enough to the wound, just gently pressing, not even pressing hard, he said the kid would jump and like hit the chandelier because it's a super sensitive area. And that's what we often do as adults, right? Uh, maybe you uh, were abandoned as a child and you, know, you went through a season of abandonment and then years later as an adult, you find yourself, somebody just doesn't, um, walks out of the room on you or walks out of a conversation on you. But because that hurts there and that wounds there, you hit the chandelier. And even, you, know, you would look at it in another person's life and say that wasn't a big deal, but in your own life, you can't always see it, right? Because there's a hurt that's never really healed underneath the surface. Um, and on and on we could go with illustrations of how we chandelier in our lives. Listen, if it makes you hysterical, it's probably historical. 
If it makes you hysterical, it's probably historical. So think about some of those areas and bring them to God and allow God to do a healing work in your life because he loves to heal the brokenhearted. That's really what he's all about. He loves to fill us with renewed hope and help us move forward in our lives. I love what Portia Nelson describes as the auto, her, his autobiography in five short chapters. This is good. Chapter one, I walk down the street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in, I am lost, I am helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. <laughs> Chapter two, I walk down the street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. It still takes me a long time to get out. Chapter three, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it is there. I still fall. It's a habit, but my eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter four, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter five, I walk down another street. You wanna walk down some new streets in your life? You gotta admit when you're playing hurt and bring some of those hurts to God and let him do a work that only he can do in your life. If you don't let God transform your pain, you'll start to transfer that pain to people around you. Admit when you're playing hurt. Second idea is simply this, to accept God's healing. To accept God's healing in your heart and in your life. Now, when it comes to Peter, I think he, uh, he had a moment where Jesus just kind of continues to work on him, and he asks him the same question again. Look at this, John 21, verse 16. Let's bring it up on the screen. It says, again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you what? Truly, do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I do. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. So Jesus this time leaves off the more than these, and he just says, hey, do you, do you truly love me? Uh, do you really, with all of your heart, love me? You know, the Bible says true love casts out fear, and I tend to believe that you can't fully love God until you realize that he fully loves you. So you give him all of your impatience, your anger, your meanness, and he gives you his peace, his love, and his kindness. You give him your darkest thoughts. You give him your lusts. You give him you know, whatever's going on in your life. He'll give you hope, purity, and self-control. You give him your past hurts, your consequences, the mess you may have made of your life. He gives you healing, restoration, and a brand new way forward. When you bring God your worst, he gives you his best. But you have to receive that healing and forgiveness in your life. You have to accept it. You know, when I came to faith out of four years of drug addiction, um, I had a lot of hurt. That so many, Much of it I had caused, right? Some that others had caused to me. I had done a lot of damage. What do you do after multiple years of just tearing everything in your life down around you? <laughs> I mean, rebuilding is a brick by brick by brick process, right? It takes a long time. 
And I can tell you that in theory, I would tell you, oh, I, I know Jesus died for me on the cross. I know that, that he loves us. I believe that he, that he loves me. Um, I, I believe, you know, that I'm forgiven. But the truth was that was only in my head. Like for me to really accept God's healing and God's forgiveness in my heart, it took me five years as a follower of Jesus before I really began to do that. And so give yourself some grace if you're always beating yourself up and you're always feeling like, gosh, you know, I, I love God, but I keep failing. I want to do better, but I don't do better. I think I love him, but I don't even know. I mean, in my life, I felt like um, I could never be good enough. I could never live up to, um, to uh, a standard that I was really setting for myself. It was the standard of perfection, you know, and it's foolish when I look at it now, but, but I really felt like, man, I had to make up for all these years. I had to make up for all my sins and all my mistakes. I felt like I had been such a disappointment to my dad, particularly, that I had to basically be Superman so that my dad would love me and accept me. And the truth was, my dad always loved me and accepted me. It had nothing to do with my dad, <laughs> but it was what I projected onto my dad, and then I projected it onto God. And it led me down a road of performance where I thought I always had to do better, I always had to perform, you're only as good as your last performance, you know, you, you, you can't mess up, you can't make mistakes, and yet we all do make mistakes. We sin, we're selfish, we're broken people. We sometimes, we act out of that hurt and stuff in our lives, and I remember finally getting to a place about five years into my spiritual journey where I was like, all right, God, I'm done. I'm done being a Christian, I'm not good enough to be a Christian, I'm not good enough to be a follower of Christ, I'm finished, I, you know, I, I think it's awesome, good for all these great people, but I'm not good enough for that. And I I remember I went into this um, uh, church service and I heard this speaker do a talk that changed my life. And the talk was on a passage in 1 John, which says this, it says, it's not, it says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice for our sins. I mean, think about that, this is love. It's not about your love for God, all the things you can do. It's about that he first loved us. And until you realize how much God loves you, it's hard to really accept his healing in your life. I'd gotten to a place where I was at the end of myself. I was exhausted. I wanted to give up. I wanted to quit. And then I realized that's exactly where God wanted me because I was back dependent on his grace, back dependent on his mercy, back realizing it wasn't about me to begin with. It was about what Jesus did for me. And then I could really accept his healing in my life. I don't know where you're at in your life, but I want you to know it's easy to feel disqualified. It's easy to feel like you're not good enough and none of us are good enough. It's easy to just kind of believe because of our past hurts and our past failures that God can never use us. But Jesus came and lived and died so that you could be forgiven and free. Look, you're just as good as anybody else, meaning we're all broken and we've all fallen short of the glory of God and you're just as loved as anybody else because Jesus died for you and rose again for you. If God can use me, he can use you. If God can use the person next to you, he can use you. Why do I know that? Because we're all broken, messed up people and God is in the business, not of calling the qualified, but of qualifying those he chooses to call. And he's put a call on some of your life. And that call isn't about how good you are. It's about allowing him to do what only he can do to use you in your life. Accept his healing. Listen, some of you, you just need to hear this today. You may have failed. You may have blown it. So did Peter. But your failure is not fatal. It is not the end. And you look at people's successes. You know what people's success often is? It's just well-curated 
failures all along the way that eventually live an equal success. That's what success is, a bunch of failures strung together that eventually become a win. And so all of us fail, all of us blow it. Jesus just says, hey, do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? Then he goes on and he challenges Peter to get in the game. Check this out. Um, as you go back to John, let's go to this scripture. John chapter 21, here's what we read. It says, uh, the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was what? Hurt. He was hurt. He's hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. You know all things. Feed my sheep, which is just kind of a poetic way of saying, lead my people, serve my church, get back in the game. A lot of people see this as the recommissioning of Peter because Peter had been benched emotionally because of the hurt, because of his own failure. And Jesus is like, get back in the game. So he says, do you love me? Now, Peter's hurt. It's interesting. It, 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 when, when Jesus asked the question the first time, Peter's like, yes, you know I love you. And it's almost like he glosses it over. So Jesus needs to ask him again, do you love me? Do you, and, it, and it's not until the third time when Peter's hurt or when Peter's humbled, when he finally starts to realize his own failures and his own mistakes in all of this, he can't just kind of talk himself out of it. Only then is he qualified now, and Jesus says, get back in the game. So three times Peter denies Christ, three times Jesus restores Peter. And Peter would go on, he would never deny Christ again. He would use his gifts in a powerful way uh, to lead the faith community. And in fact, he would give his life without denying Christ again in his, in his life. Um, church tradition teaches us that. He's a powerful example of how we can all be recommissioned and put back in the game. God wants to use you. He wants to use your gifts, your talents, your abilities. So take that hurt and bring it to God and acknowledge if you're playing hurt and then accept God's healing. Let him do a work in your life and then use your gifts to step out and get in the game. I read this great story this week about a middle school teacher who did something just to remind her students that we all are broken and we all need each other. These middle school students were told to take out a piece of paper and write their emotional hurts on the piece of paper. And at the end of that, they all were told to crumple those pieces of paper up and just throw them randomly all around the room. Then she had all the students pick up a random piece of crumpled paper off the floor, so it'd be anonymous. And they went through the classroom and everybody read what was on the sheet. And people were writing about things like suicide, my parents being in prison, uh, my parents going through a divorce, people were writing about addiction issues in their family. One kid said he was sad because his gerbil died because it was too fat. That got a giggle. But this middle school teacher said a lot of the students, when they would read somebody else's words, they were crying. And then she said if people were willing to let themselves be known, the people that had wrote those words would often be crying. And the emotion of it was very real and tangible. Then she basically collected all of these stories after it was over. She put them in a trash bag and hung them on the door. And uh, she said, this, is, this bag represents our baggage. And we all have baggage. But maybe just hearing a little bit of the baggage we all carry, we can be more compassionate, more kind, more loving.
She said she thought her kids left that day realizing they're not alone, they're loved, and we have each other's back. This is what the church is supposed to be. We all carry baggage, but you don't have to carry it alone. Jesus has come to heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free. And so how do we move forward even when we have hurt? Admit when you're playing hurt. You don't get your life together so you can come to God. You come to God so you can get your life together. You truly meet God when you truly admit your need for God. Accept God's healing. You can't earn his grace. You can only receive it. What you did in the past is no match for what Jesus did in the past on the cross. Base your life on his grace more than on your own hurts. And when you bring God your worst, he gives you his best. And get in the game. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. He doesn't just wanna forgive you. He wants to use you. So wherever you feel weakest, that's where God can show up the strongest if you'll allow him to. Maybe some of you are here today and maybe you've never crossed the line of faith. And I'd love to just give you an opportunity just to affirm your love, just to realize that your mistakes don't disqualify you, just to acknowledge that God is for you, that he is here, that he is present right now, that he loves you, that he wants to forgive you and heal you and work in your life. Bible says if we come and confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us from all unrighteousness, from all the stuff that we have done. Every major religion in the world is about what you do. Christianity is about what God did for you. You simply receive that. It's a gift, right? It's not a gift you have to work for. Listen, if, if, if you wanna get paid, go to work. If you wanna get grace, go to God. That's a gift. doesn't cost anything. We just receive it. And I'm telling you, it can change your life. It can absolutely change your life. You know, people around Central have heard me talk many, many times over the recovery chip that I carry in my pocket. And I just thought about it today. It's been a while since I pulled it out, but I still carry it around. This is my 30-year Celebrate Recovery chip. And it says on this chip, my grace is enough for you. And I carry this around not because I'm chained to the past. I carry it around because I've already accepted God's healing. I've already admitted to playing hurt. And I've received his healing and his grace. This doesn't remind me of who I am. It reminds me of who I was and who God is. Reminds me of how far God's brought me. Reminds me that no matter how far you fall, you have a heavenly father that loves you and is for you and he can work in your heart and in your life. Reminds me to never give up on somebody. Some of you are here today and God's been tapping on your heart. Some of you are watching in prison. God's been pulling on your heart. Some of you are watching online. You got a mama somewhere or a daddy that's been praying for you for months and years and decades. You got people who've done everything they could to help steer you back to God and you've continued to rebel and go your own way and today can be your day where you sit down with Jesus, so to speak, and you answer that question, do you love me? Do you love me? Today can be the day when you receive his forgiveness. If you'd like to become a follower of Jesus, I'd love to lead you in a simple prayer to just open your heart to him and open your mind to him. So would all of you bow your heads and close your eyes. And you can begin that spiritual journey today by repeating after me to say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. 
Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges that I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you. In Christ's name. And friends, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's your prayer today, if it's your commitment, I'm gonna ask you to just slip your hand in the air just to acknowledge that you're gonna follow God in your life and that you're reaching out to him. Just slip your hand in the air. Reach out to him today. God, we thank you for your love. I thank you for each person reaching out to you. And I pray you will show up and move in their life in a powerful, tangible way. We love you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Well, listen, if you made a spiritual commitment, I'd love to give you just an opportunity after our service and experience to uh, go to the New Beginnings area. We'd love to put a New Beginnings journal in your hand. We'd love to know how we can pray for you. Anything that we can do for you, we would love to do that. Let's put our hands together now, not only for those who made commitments, but for our location pastors as they talk us through the next step.